The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So in the before coronavirus time, at this class, at this time, I had been offering kind of a series, a long series on the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, and uh, had gotten through, fairly well through, right effort. I mean, you don't ever get through these things, but, um, um, and I just thought, you know, I was kind of inspired to, to, to pick up the, that kind of exploration, um, and in particular, you know, how, how these, these teachings um, are, are not irrelevant in this time in our world. Um, I've had some people ask this kind of question, you know, like how, how does being aware in my daily life, you know, how does this do anything for the bigger problems of the world? And so um, continuing, and right now I thought I'd, I'd start with a reflection on mindfulness in the Eightfold Path, because that's kind of where I'd gotten to, was mindfulness. And, um, and so, you know, how, 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 is my, how does mindfulness support us in this time as part of the Eightfold Path? Um, so that's, that's my intention kind of going forward in this, in this session, is to kind of just, the way I do this or have done this in the past is to just reflect for a period of time each, each week and then there's a little bit of discussion, conversation, and I just get as far as I do and then the next week it picks up and I do kind of collect these into a, a series so that they're available together. Um, but uh, I, I try to make each, each teaching accessible whether you've heard the others or not. So... Um, so mindfulness is part of the Eightfold Path. You know, just to, to reflect on um, the purpose, basically, the, the, the direction. As a path, I mean, the, t- the Buddha's teachings are often talked of as a path, and that they're not a meandering path. They're a path that leads in a particular direction. So there's an aim, a purpose, a direction to that path. And so mindfulness in that path is a part of that direction. And that direction is leading towards understanding suffering so that that suffering can be so that suffering can be released. And the suffering um, this the suffering is all suffering, not only our own personal suffering, but also our the, the suffering of the world. The Buddha, the Buddha talked about how do we meet all suffering. The end of suffering, I think, I mean, the end of suffering in the larger sense of the, the, the collective or the larger world end of suffering, I think, will only happen when we all have that transformation internally. But that doesn't mean it's not worth doing that work. Because the, um, the patterns, the habits that lead to 
the systemic, the suffering of the world, the suffering of racism, the suffering of oppression, the suffering of poverty, the suffering of, of illness, and um, um, all, all of the kinds of suffering that we experience, both in the larger sense and in our own individual ways, they're, they're based... The, the suffering that the Buddha talked about that could be ending is based in patterns or systems or habits of greed, aversion, and delusion. And so this is the, the linchpin, essentially, that, that he talked about. He, he didn't say that, you know, cancer would end or, you know, illness would end with the ending of suffering in this way. But the, uh, the suffering, that what we typically call suffering, I mean, what we, what we typically call suffering is related to pain often. It's related to not having what we like, not, um, not um, getting rid of what we don't like. And so the, um, that the, uh, often we attribute the suffering to the unpleasantness of the world, of having an illness or not getting what I like. But the Buddha talked about the patterns of greed, aversion, and delusion being kind of the linchpin of how our suffering is put together and much of the external suffering in the world. Not, not all the illness, for instance, although the, I'm seeing some... some um, um, descriptions of how the coronavirus has been, you know, uh, unleashed on our uh, on our world through the way the conditions in which the way humans have interacted with the world, the um, the destroying of eco ecosystems and the um, the way in which we've uh, treated um, animals in. In in um, in our food source, and so the you know it's not it's not separate from uh, you know even illness isn't necessarily separate from the conditions in our mind of greed, aversion, and delusion. But the Buddha did say that not everything that was unpleasant or painful was a was a, a result of of the patterning of the habits of greed, aversion, and delusion. And so the, the, um, the path, the direction of the path is towards understanding how greed, aversion, and delusion condition us. The, 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 you know, often I think um, when people think about mindfulness, um, you know, it's so broadly, it's so broadly out there in the world, the, 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 the word mindfulness, and, you know, there, there are these people who teach being mindful, kind of, kind of more like, oh, be in the present moment, you know, just be in the present moment. And, and mindfulness isn't just about being in the present moment. It is about being in the present moment, but not just about being in the present moment, because there is an aim towards being in the present moment. Sometimes when I hear, hear the, you know, the, the, the people, people talk about or teach, you know, being in the present moment, enjoy taking a walk, enjoy eating that ice cream cone. You know, I, I feel like it's, it's really minimizing 
what the power of mindfulness is. It's kind of like pointing mindfulness to, oh, be mindful and you'll, you'll enjoy things more. And there is a way in which that happens. You know, it's kind of amazing when we do enter into this world of being in the present moment, sometimes we do find the delight of the small things. But it's not the purpose of the path to find the delight in the small things. The purpose of the path is really to understand how our minds get caught in suffering. How our minds get caught by these habits and patterns of greed, aversion, and delusion. And this is a system at work. You know, that this is, we often in, in, um, in, the, in the mindfulness teachings, we often talk about being mindful internally and being aware of, um, you know, what's happening internally. And as I talked about in the guided meditation, you know, as we are aware of what's here, what's obvious, we are um, um, kind of... witnessing what how conditioning is unfolding for us when we don't direct the attention but instead just watch what's obvious in our experience we are watching our conditioning unfold and as the mindfulness gets stronger and more continuous we start to see you know when our attention is pulled somewhere, you know, when something arises that's obvious, there's a reason that that's happening. It's not just some random thing. There is a condition for that. There's there's whole history of our conditioning, of our lives that have, in this very moment, supported the arising of that thought and that emotion or or that physical experience and that relationship to that physical experience. We are seeing our conditioning unfold. And this is a piece of the, the making mindfulness or having mindfulness be something more than just, you know, touching into being uh, with our pleasant experience or, 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 you know, touching into more pleasantness in our lives. This seeing how conditioning is unfolding is a kind of a key to understanding how our minds get caught, the systems the uh, patterning of greed, aversion, and delusion. And we all have it. It's not, it's not some kind of a, um, you know, personal failing to have greed, aversion, and delusion. This is the nature of the, the way the conditioning has worked. And this, we, we are conditioned to want to get things that we like, to want to get rid of things that we don't like, partly through our human system, you know, partly because our, you know, our, our, um, our, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of like to feel good. We like to have pleasant things, you know, that our, 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 even an amoeba is kind of like designed to gravitate towards pleasant and away from unpleasant. And so there's a kind of a way in which our system is designed that way. Um, and yet the, the, um, the kind of the, the way in which that's been reinforced in our, in our conditioning um, is... 
there's so many threads going in my mind right now. Um, um, so the way that's been reinforced in our conditioning is that, you know, I, I'm not okay if I don't get what I like. There's some problem with that. And also, you know, an amoeba doesn't actually have a choice. It's, it's more automatic. You know, a, a single-celled creature doesn't have a choice. It's more automatic. And in our, in our kind of upbringing, in, in the way in which we have um, habitually engaged with pleasant and unpleasant and wanting to get what we like and wanting to get what we don't get rid of what we don't like the way we've habitually engaged with that we do get a little bit of kind of pleasant experience when when something um when we get something pleasant you know it's like yeah that feels pretty good and we get a little bit of a little bit of a feeling of oh figured it out oh can control things you know so there's a little bit of that ease or release but it doesn't last very long and so we kind of end up on this cycle or this spiral of trying to do that again because that's the last time I felt pretty good when I got something I wanted or got rid of something that I didn't want. And we don't often take a step back to understand the bigger picture, which is actually that spiral of having to get what I want, needing to get rid of what I don't want in order to find happiness is itself a kind of a tension and tightness and is itself kind of a suffering. And so the, the, you know, that, that patterning, is a, it's a kind of a human pattern. It is kind of a human thing that's in our organism. And yet there are ways in which that human pattern then gets replicated in our systems of culture and society. You know, that, that, that uh, you know, the, the whole you know, the whole advertising kind of scheme in the U.S. of, of the way things, products are, are advertised. You know, get this thing that you want and you'll have a beautiful face and you'll, you know, have people that love you. And, you know, it's like the whole advertising scheme is based on this pattern. And so it reinforces it. So there is a, a way in which our human system is kind of inclined towards this um, you know, get what I want, I'll be okay, get rid of what I don't want, I'll be okay. But it is also reinforced and, and kind of cemented in a way. The views about that that's the way towards happiness are cemented by our culture and our society and the patterns and the systems that are around us. And so the, the, the conditioning that we can start to see with mindfulness is not only the conditioning of our organism, kind of the way in which we're kind of like, yep, get that, oh, 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 don't like that, you know, kind of the way in which we, there's this push-pull, but also we start to see the views and the beliefs that are kind of given to us by our culture about what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. And this includes all of the beliefs and views around, around, all of the discrimination and oppression that happens in our world. This includes beliefs and views around racism and um, homophobia and um, beliefs that somebody who's poor is not working hard enough or you know all of the all of the um, systems that are that are in the world, those views, those beliefs, those aren't 
often taught to us in conscious um, um, language, but they are kind of absorbed based on how people act with each other, how people are with each other. And so this is a piece of our conditioning. And it's a very important piece to recognize. And so that, that, that kind of that external patterning, that external, those external systems at play, reinforce the internal movements to do, you know, what, to, to get what I want, to get rid of what I don't want, to be confused about what's an actual, um, uh, what, what suffering actually is, actually. That's, a, that's part of the confusion. We think suffering is not having what I, what I um, want. But the, the suffering is actually more connected to the wanting, the, the contraction around the wanting, the contraction around the aversion. And there's the views that are at play that hold those patterns into place. So mindfulness, you know, right mindfulness, is about you know the curiosity, the 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 the, the right mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta, the kind of basic definition of it, is to be aware of the body as a body, to be aware of feelings as feelings, to be aware of mind states as mind states, to be aware of uh, experience as experience, essentially. And this is, a, is a, a pointing to what I said, you know, being aware of your experience as human experience. This, um, this kind of curiosity, interest in uh, being aware from this perspective, helps us to kind of take a step back from it's all about me and be more curious about, well, this is what's arising. These sensations in the body, these feelings are arising. These emotions, these moods are arising. And as we, we explore things from that perspective, again, we start to see with the more continuity of mindfulness, we start to see how are these moods, mind states, sensations in the body, feelings, how are they conditioned? Where are they arising from? And some of them are arising from these views, these perspectives, these beliefs that um, that have been given to us, and so this—I'll um, just say one, a couple more things, and then open it for conversation. And I want to keep these reflections a little on the short side. Um, So the, um, the witnessing of our own internal patterns of greed, aversion, and delusion, as we see that, and that's, the only, that's what we can see, you know, it's like, we can also see, the Buddha does also in the Satipatthana Sutta talk about observing externally, and so we can also see externally how these patterns play out. There is less ability, 
that, you know, the kind of like what happens in this, it's, it's like a cycle, right? It's like there's a cycle of the, the patterns of the systems, let's say, of greed, aversion, and delusion. There's whole systems of this at, at play in our, um, in, in our internal um, experience, but also in how internally and externally we interact. The, the, the systems of greed, aversion, and delusion that we internalize, then we start to act out on. We believe, we engage with, we um, reinforce by believing that this is the way toward, this is what's, how we're supposed to engage, this is how we're supposed to act, this is how we're supposed to be in the world. And so we re- reinforce those things through our own actions, our own choices, our own decisions. And that in turn re-emphasizes or, or kind of cements more the patterns in the world. And so it's, it's not only, and I, I was thinking this morning about dependent origination, kind of often talked about it as, as describing how suffering arises moment to moment internally in our experience, but also thinking that it, it possibly can be explored as, you know, where do these mental formations come from that shape our minds? Well, they, they don't only just arise in a vacuum internally, they arise in relationship to our culture. And so the, the, um, the, the systems of greed, aversion, and delusion that are at play in the world that we just simply often unwittingly reinforce by acting on them, by not seeing the greed, aversion, delusion in our own hearts and minds. That cycle continues. And so how can we stop that cycle? By not, by being aware of the greed, aversion, and delusion in our own hearts and minds and recognizing the suffering that it is creating internally and externally, and shifting our relationship, changing our patterns of behavior, no longer um, at times, hopefully, and it's certainly not until, until that's, that patterning is completely released internally, we'll still probably continue to uh, act out of some of those patterns. But the less that we do that, the less that it does support those patterns externally. And actually, it not only doesn't support those patterns, you know, the, the, the habitual patterns of greed, aversion, and delusion in our, the systems in our, in our societies and culture, but, um, but the change our own um, shift from acting from greed, aversion, and delusion to acting from love and compassion and wisdom and patience. That shift creates its own ripples in the world, creates new patterning in the world. And so this, I do think that this these teachings, in particular, um, you know, ex- being mindful, 
being aware from this perspective of curiosity, what is this human experience? Because as we ask that question and explore what is our human experience, we begin to understand the that, that greed, aversion, and delusion, mind states based in greed, aversion, and delusion, and there are thousands of them. Irritation, annoyance, pride, arrogance, wanting, yeah, confusion. There's so there's there's thousands of them. These emotions based in greed, aversion, and delusion. That as we open to those with mindfulness, we see that um, that is painful not only internally, but that it results in engagement in the world that puts pain into the world. And so we see both internally and externally this uh, awareness of the habits, the patterns, the conditioning helps the mind to, to kind of, at a certain point, say, the mind begins to say, wisdom begins to encourage us to not act out of those things and to act in another direction to act more from kindness and compassion and love and wisdom. So I think that this, I guess the last piece I want to say is that um, changing ourselves, changing our minds, finding inner peace, inner freedom from these patterns of greed, aversion, and delusion. It's not independent of the world. That, that freedom internally does have a ripple effect externally. And I do think that the, the awareness of these systems, these patterns internally, kind of like seeing how you know, it's like everything inside of us or much of, much of what's inside of us has been absorbed from the patterns and systems of the world. And a way to begin to change those patterns and systems is to release that internally. And yet it, I think it's also, you know, not necessarily the only, the only thing, you know, that can support changing those systems. It's, I think, one very powerful one very powerful tool, our own inner transformation does feel necessary to support the transformation of the world. And there are um, other forms of helping people to understand that conditioning, protests and education, you know, helping people to writing books and offering, um, um, you know, podcasts on people's experience. You know that these things too can be very powerful to to help us to understand that conditioning. And sometimes some of that is, in some ways, necessary to help us see the inner kind of patterns that have come to be. You know, to hear something of others experience and the the ways in which you know, so it's, it's the, the delusion that's involved here in in these systems of greed aversion and delusion delusion is at the base of it and it is hard to see delusion 
And so sometimes as, you know, the not only seeing things internally, but hearing some information about how those systems are at play can help us to see how we have been unwittingly participating in them. So the right mindfulness in the Eightfold Path is informed by this perspective of wanting to understand suffering. That's the work of right mindfulness, is to understand suffering. The understanding comes from witnessing the patterns at play in our own minds. Seeing how they're conditioned. Not from seeing it happening and saying, oh, I shouldn't experience that. Let me stop feeling greed right now. Let me stop feeling aversion right now. But rather to open to the, the suffering or the pain of that pattern. And then the... Because our system, our organism, wants to move in the direction of well-being, seeing that will begin to allow the mind to want to let go of that direction of acting out of greed, aversion, and delusion. It's a slow process. It is a slow process. And yet I do think it is a fundamental piece of... I mean, it, it, is, it is the fundamental piece in terms of our own awakening, in terms of our own understanding internally. And I think it is a fundamental piece in terms of supporting the world to change the systems that are based in greed, aversion, and delusion. So those were some of my reflections on mindfulness as part of the Eightfold Path.